If you have a Bible, you could turn to Matthew chapter 4. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. And as he came up out of the water, heavens opened, the heavens opened, and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And then he heard a voice coming from heaven, from his father, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Okay? Then, this is what happened, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. Then, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to, a, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. All right? So Jesus was standing in this this pivotal moment in time. Okay? He was about to enter into his public mission to demonstrate the love of God to the world and to save the world from their slavery to sin. He was, he was establishing his kingdom that was not of this world in this world. Okay? And he was standing not unlike we do at times um, when we are about to start something new and exciting, full of anticipation and expectation. Okay? So then the father affirms that he's ready to begin by sending his spirit to rest on him. And then his word comes so that, so that also everyone around him can know, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. So before Jesus ever did anything in ministry, he had the spirit on him and the word over him. Okay? And then, on top of that, before he ever performed a miracle, before he ever taught in front of large crowds, before he ever went to the cross, he had the word of his father saying, I am pleased with you. This was his baseline, his starting point for everything that he did. Okay? You guys good so far? Okay, so this time that the devil was tempting him were not ordinary temptations. And these were not even temptations to get Jesus to question his destiny. The temptation for Jesus was, 
I am a powerful son. I have the Holy Spirit on me. I have the word of the Lord. I have my destiny in front of me. Now how will I choose to use this, this power that I've been given? Will I use it in a way that looks like my father or will I use it according to the definition of power in the kingdoms of this world? Okay, so I, I want to kind of, um, well, I will say before that, the, the, the story of these temptations is less about, you know, Jesus's, I mean, the devil's clever temptations. It's more about Jesus showing us the maturation process of what it looks like to steward the authority that we have as sons on the earth. Okay. Does that make sense so far? You guys okay? Okay, so when we learn our identity, with that comes power. But that power must be demonstrated from the heart of a son who always has his father and his family in mind. Okay? So I want to kind of try to build on a little bit what Jeremy talked about last week um, so if you weren't here, that was a really an amazing word last week, and then Wes the week before as well. Um, just really great words. And so what I want to talk about is, is something Jeremy talked about last week, is he said there was a time in the past when the church needed to learn identity. We needed to learn that we were sons. He said, but now it's time to mature in our identity. Okay, there was a time that we needed to learn to move from I'm a servant into I'm a son. And when I say son, I'm going to say son a lot. You just know I'm talking about sons and daughters. Okay, so we had to learn that we are a son. But then as we mature, we learn that we are sons who also serve. Okay, you guys okay? You ready? Okay, so the first thing that the devil said to Jesus was, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So the, the first layer of this temptation is that the devil saying, hey, if you are a son, you must do something to prove that you are a son. Okay, to which Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in other words, Jesus shut him down really quick, and he said, I'm not a son because of what I do. I am a son because my father said I was a son. Okay, does that make sense? All right, well, this is where a lot of us get, get, get caught in this wrestling with identity. Because we think or we've been taught that the devil's main mission here was to get Jesus to doubt his identity and then to perform to prove it. But Jesus' response shows that he's less worried about should he perform and he's more worried about how should I perform. Will I use my power to meet my own needs or will I use my power at the word of my father? Okay. <laughs> so if we think that, let, let me go back and say this. The main mission of the devil is not to get us to question our identity. 
the main mission of the devil is to get us to take our eyes off of our father and the word that he has spoken and put it on ourself. Okay, and the minute that we engage in this debate with the devil over our identity, we are putting the focus on ourself. Mission accomplished. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can we have <laughs> Because the devil comes to us and he says, okay, if you are a son, you would be doing this over here. You wouldn't be doing this over here. And so we engage with him and we're like, no, no, that's not, that's not the definition of a son. And I won't perform and I won't do this. And, and we think that, that our victory comes when we need to convince him that we know who we are. And so by trying not to perform, we're performing. And we're engaging with him in a debate that should never be a debate whatsoever. Listen, if we are fighting this battle and wrestling over our identity, it's, it's not a battle that we should be fighting. What we're doing is we're allowing the world to dictate the battle that we fight. Because it's the world who tells us we're in an identity crisis. It's the world who's given us permission to struggle with identity. That should never be a struggle. We've picked up the struggle of, a world, of the world and we put it in the kingdom and made it spiritual. It's not a debate. Our identity has nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. Except that we received it when we received Jesus as our Savior. It's over. It's done. It's finished. It is the word of the Lord. There is nothing that we need to do to receive it. It's already done. There is no debate. It's the word of my Father. Okay? The minute that I've engaged him, I've invited him back tomorrow to have the same debate. And he's not welcome. It's the word of my father. Okay? You guys okay? (laughs) So the temptation here is, uh, hold on, let me find my place. Okay. The temptation here is, is not just prove you are a son. The temptation here is, okay, you are hungry. You have need. You need your needs met. You also have power. Now, will you turn these stones into bread? Will you put the focus on your need over the word of God? Will you take, will you bend the universe to your will? Okay, that's temptation number one. Will you bend, will you use your authority as a son to bend the universe to your will? There, there is scientific evidence that God created the universe to respond to our words. Okay? So the New Age movement has taken this, this, this fact and made a belief system to show us how powerful we are. Okay? 
And they say that you can create your own destiny, you can command the universe, and it will bring you whatever you desire, whatever you believe, whatever you think you are capable of, okay? And there are certain things about this belief system that are biblical and that are true about God's intention for us. The danger is when we when we operate in this belief system apart from surrender. Because then we're just bending the universe to our will. Okay? And if we are operating in this belief system apart from surrender to our Father, then we are just bending the universe to our will rather than His will, and it's connected to the wrong power source. And that's when it becomes witchcraft. Okay? So if, if there are certain churches or certain teachers who teach power without surrender, or that, hey, you don't need to worry about surrender anymore, you're sons, and you already have surrendered, so you don't need to surrender anymore, that's the thing of the past. If that's the teaching, that's connected to the wrong power source. Because the more powerful we know we are, the more important surrender becomes. Because if not, we will begin to bend the universe to our will rather than the will of our Father. Because that temptation is ever before us. If it was before Jesus, it's before us. And this temptation, this taunting, bend the universe to your will, use your authority to bend the universe to your will, it, it, it lasted for Jesus all the way until he took his last breath. Because when he was on the cross, the crowd was shouting, hey, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross and prove it. And the religious leaders were saying, if you are the king of Israel, come down and then we will believe you. If you do these things, we will believe you. Turn these stones into bread. Be the savior we want. Save us in the way we want to be saved, and then we will believe. Then we will believe who you are if you just show up. Then we will believe who we are if you just show up. Be the deliverer we want. <laughs> Jesus came to show us what power looks like in his kingdom. And in his kingdom, there is no more my will. We're a son who has power, but we're not the father. Amen. The son has power but the father still has command of the house. Okay? So when the son moves in power, he moves under the command of his father. And always with his father's will in mind. Always with the interest of the family in mind. Okay? Um, what we value is what we'll put our focus on. And what we'll, we'll lend our power to. So if our value is on our own needs, 
and what we desire and what we, what we need, then all of our focus and all of our energy will go toward, why isn't God being the deliverer I want right now? Because I have need. And then our focus is there. But if we value the word of God, then everything we do will be surrendered to the will of God because that's what we value. <laughs> so surrender is not, surrender doesn't make us power, powerless. Surrender doesn't make us powerless. What surrender does is magnify the power of our Father. Okay? You guys okay? Very, very quiet. Okay. <laughs> uh, a son of God surrenders his authority to the will of his father, magnifying the power of his father. It's not about me. It's about the father and the family. Okay? You guys okay? <laughs> All right. Next... The devil began to quote scripture to Jesus. He took him up to the highest point of the temple, and then he said, okay, throw yourself down, because it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, so that you will be pr protected. And so the devil's doing a couple of things here. He's first, um, the Jews believed that when the Messiah came, he would stand at this place on the temple and announce himself. Okay, and the devil knew that. The second thing that he's doing is he's using scripture as a manipulation tool to put the focus on self. Okay? So the devil is saying, hey, Jesus, why don't you go ahead and announce that you're the Messiah? Go ahead, and then after you announce that you're the Messiah, go ahead and do something really miraculous so that everybody can see and they'll know who you are. And then, like, they, they'll invite this popularity, demonstrate your favor with the Lord, be the deliverer they want, and then, like, you'll, you, you'll be there. Go ahead and use the word of God, use the miracles of God to command God to perform for you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, the the first temptation is what are we like how are we going to perform the second one is like do we get god to perform for us by using scripture as a manipulation tool all right S temptation number 3 to use your authority as a son to bend god's words and demonstrations of power to your will um Jesus absolutely performed many miraculous signs, many wonders, really powerful, but he did so for the freedom of people, not to build a following. It was never about that. And so as a church, we need to be really aware and beware of leaders who will use emotional manipulation or will take a portion of scripture and to, to prove their brand new revelation that they got from God. And the pieces of scripture that don't support that, they're just like, oh, that's not relevant. I got a revelation. 
that scriptural manipulation to form a following. Okay? Beware of those who have these amazing demonstrations of power and say, look, look, here's the favor of God right here. Follow me. I have the favor of God. Beware of that. It's, it might be innocent, but it's still connected to the wrong power source. Because as sons, we have power. What source will we connect it to? That's the temptation. And the more that we learn how to connect it to the right power source, we mature as sons. Okay? You guys okay? Okay. So the son, a son of God uses his authority for the freedom of people and not to form a following. Uh, magnifying the validation of his father over the validation of people. All right. <laughs> Next, the devil took Jesus to this high mountain. And in Luke's version, it says he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. And he says, all these I'll give you right now in this moment. And so th- the temptation is, hey, Jesus, like your destiny is to be the king of the world. So why don't you go ahead and just take it? Go ahead and set up your kingdom now. Do you see the suffering? You can solve all of that right now. You can eliminate hunger. You can heal every disease. You can bring unity to the nations. You can, be everyone, you can bring everyone together. Everyone will love you. Everyone will accept you because you're going to be the deliverer they want. Okay? All of this without the cross, without the waiting, without the difficulty or the heartbreak of trying to turn men's affections under their free will from what they can see to what they can't. No rejection, no waiting, no cross, no price. You see why this is a temptation. Because when you see the suffering, you want to fix it. You know, make the world a better place. And Jesus is like, I, I, I mean, the devil's like, you can fix it all right now. So before, when the devil tempted Jesus to make bread from stones, it's not that making bread was wrong. Because later in Jesus's ministry, he took five loaves from a little boy and he fed a multitude with it. But do you know what happened when he did that? I mean, he did that at the will of his father. So that was the right way to do it. But do you know what happened when he did that? All the people who saw that they could get their needs met in that instant by miraculous means, and this man could do that, it says that they came and they intended to make him king by force. Because people will always make kings of those who can meet their needs. And Jesus is like, that's not the way. Think for a minute about what we, think for a minute that like you're on that mountain with the devil and he's like, (coughs) he's not this scary person. He's like, look, I'll give you, I'll, I'll put you in charge. 
I'll give you all the resources. I'll give you all the kingdom. You can fix all this in this moment. Would we have the belief in people and in our Father the way that Jesus did to be like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be the one to be in control because I believe in people. Would we have that same belief that the disciples were gonna even make it past that night of confusion and devastation of the cross? And then after that, they were gonna hold on through the persecution and the establishing of a new covenant while the old one was still going on in Jerusalem. And were they gonna make it through spreading the gospel all over the world? And was it gonna make it through the generations and the generations? And was it gonna last and was it gonna build? Jesus had to have this amazing belief in people. He's like, it's not gonna be in my, I'm not gonna put it in my hands. I'm gonna trust my Father, and I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna put my kingdom in their hands, and I'm gonna believe in them. We don't understand the belief God has in us. (laughs) You know, there... (laughs) There's so much temptation out there to do all manner of good things and call it the love of Christ. And there's so many things out there that are still temptations of the devil because they, they look really good and they look like they're gonna, they're gonna save people and they're gonna heal people and they're going to, to, to be uh, a rescue um, but it's really just this, this facade, this, this counterfeit rescue to really keep them enslaved to the kingdom of darkness. And the church will come along, and instead of seeing that agenda, they will align themselves with that agenda in the name of the love of Christ. And we have to just, like, meet, like we have to just love people where they are and accept people as they are. And we absolutely should do this, but we need to believe in people enough to not use the devil's tools and the devil's agenda to bring a counterfeit rescue. Do we believe in them enough that to, that to, to get past the instant solution and see the eternal weight of glory on their life? Do we believe in them enough to pull it out of them? I'm not just gonna accept, I'm not just gonna agree with this this horrible agenda for your life that makes you feel good in a moment, but it's just gonna keep you enslaved to a system of evil. I believe in you more than that. You were created for more than that. You have a destiny that's bigger than that. And I will believe in you. I'm gonna stop struggling over here with I don't know if I am who God says I am. No, I am. It's the word of the Lord. Now I'm gonna go take the belief he has in me and I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna put it in you. That's the kingdom. That's the family. That's the heart of God. That's the will of our Father. We sell people too short. It, it's, 
<laughs> you know, like in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you know, like the, the love chapter, and it's like all these things about love. And so we start quoting that, and we're like, love is patient. And then we're just like, oh, no, love is patient. And we just kind of stop there. You know, I think that one was first on purpose. It's how God is with us. He's so patient. I don't care what length I have to go to. I don't care how long I have to believe in you. I, my love is patient because I believe in you. I don't care how long it takes you to get it. I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep speaking life and keep speaking truth and keep speaking destiny because I believe in you and love is patient. And some of us are over here like, I don't know why God's not doing something. Because he's patient. He's waiting for us to rise up and love people and believe in people, not like the world does, but like he does. Okay? You guys okay? (laughs) Okay. So a son of God uses his authority to believe in and empower people, magnifying the patient and extravagant love of our Father. Um, Maturity. It's time to grow up and be... (laughs) Uh, who he who he believes us to be and believe in other people the way that he believes in us okay you guys can stand up I don't know how to I don't know how to end this other than I just think that we have to put our eyes, we have to put our focus, we have to put our eyes back on the majesty of God. Back on the kingship of Jesus. Back on the word of our Father. It's not about us. But for the Father, it's all about us. And when we know that and we trust that, then we just go. And we don't perform to prove who we are We perform because it's who we are. And we don't stop serving. We serve not as servants, but as sons. So I I don't really have, you know, a a way to end other than, you know, Pop's just going to play something. I don't, doesn't matter what, just, we're just going to turn our attention and our affection 
to who God is and who we are. And we're going to give him permission to kind of lift us higher. open our eyes wider help us see farther what he's doing on the earth is so incredible and amazing and the belief that he has in us is it can never be matched by anyone else So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive, it's active. Holy Spirit right now is just taking this word and it's just breathing it into us. It's breathing life in us. It's making us come alive into into glory. (laughs) You know what heaven describes as glory? You know, sometimes we describe glory like these like amazing like demonstrations of power you know what heaven says glory is heaven says glory is when people rise up into who they were created to be 